everybody. I'm Gary Ebersol. Richard Kipling here. And I'm Randy Schultz. Welcome to Camp Codger, a podcast for people in their golden years. Join us to hear rocking chair wisdom from three old guys. Last year, we recorded an episode about the best bands of the 60s. It was a fun walk down memory lane, and now we're back with more music. We're picking up where we left off with music of the 70s. But before we start grooving to the 70s beat, Randy has a codger experience he would like to share. Randy? I I do? I hope so. Richard, say something, please. Uh, uh, I, <laughs> oh, uh, there we go. Uh, <laughs> okay, Gary, it is true I have a codger experience. During this part of the show, sometimes we do codger moments, but this isn't a codger moment as much as it's a codger celebration. Last weekend, Patty and I were in San Diego visiting friends. Now, I went to college in San Diego, so it was kind of a retro weekend for me. But one of the reasons we were there last weekend was the Jimmy Buffett concert. And if this isn't a great experience for the top of this show, I don't know what is. <laughs> I got to tell you, we started our journey to the concert at San Diego State, which is where I was an undergraduate. It was a real blast from the past. What started the Codger experience for me was there's a train station down a level or two from San Diego State, and it goes straight to the stadium, a brand new stadium called Snapdragon Stadium. So the Codger experience starts for me at the university when we get on the train and I look around, everybody on this train is old like my age and older. (laughs) And I realized, oh my gosh, everybody on this train is going to see Jimmy Buffett in concert. And we're all old. (laughs) (laughs) So that was the beginning. Then we get off the train. Everybody gets off at the same place, right? Nobody stayed on the train car. And we're walking into a sea of oldsters. Jimmy Buffett concerts are, are famous for the tailgating that goes on before the event. And there's all these old people in their RVs, and they've got grills set up, and they're frying burgers and drinking a lot of margaritas. So we get into the stadium, and 60,000 people, they're all baby boomers. And it was Mm -hmm. just a celebration of our era. Mm -hmm. And Jimmy Buffett came to national attention in the 70s. So he's very much a part of 70s music. So for the next two and a half hours, we were just grooving to 70s music. Jimmy Buffett's concerts are basically sing-along. Everybody there knows his music, and everybody (laughs) sings along to every single song. And it was really just a lot of fun. There aren't many times in life when you get to be our age, when you go to an event that's for your age group and for (laughs) your age group alone. I I think I saw, oh, a good six or seven people maybe in their 20s (laughs) or 30s. But that was it. So it was really fun. I got to tell you, as a former resident of San Diego and as a former student at San Diego State, when Jimmy announced fondly that San Diego was one of his favorite places to perform, and it all went back 40 years ago when he played the little coffee house, which was literally in a basement at San Diego State. And Mm. I said to myself, holy cow, I was there and I was the guy who reviewed that show for the Daily Aztec newspaper. So I sent an email to Jimmy's people and said, 
Jimmy, I really enjoyed the show, and you made a reference to this coffee house appearance 40 years ago, which, by the way, Jimmy, I looked it up. It's 48 years ago. (laughs) And I found my newspaper clipping of that performance, and I offered to send it to him. So I will keep you guys posted if we hear back from Jimmy Buffett. Are you saying Uh, that you launched his career? I'm not saying that. (laughs) I was instrumental in something. I don't know what. (laughs) Thanks, Randy. Nothing says old codger like Margaritaville. Absolutely. Okay. When we did our 60s music episode, I thought to myself, I'm done. I'm strictly a 60s music guy. Man, was I wrong. I'm not certain why I put the 70s out of my mind when it came to music, but for some reason, I always thought 60s was the definitive period for great music. As we mentioned in that episode, a lot of the music that I thought was from the 60s is actually from the early 70s. In my simple view, the musical train wreck called disco defined the whole decade. Hmm. Guys, 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 save your rebuttals (laughs) to this opinion until later. I I have something to say, but I will table it for a a later (laughs) moment in the show. You'll probably set me straight. And listeners, I know there are BGs and Donna Summer fans out there. Feel free to write us and tell me how wrong I am about disco. Anyway, the 70s were a different time, politically, economically, and culturally, but it turns out it was really another good era for music. There was a huge diversity in the sounds of the 70s. And personally, I had a great time researching this episode. I spent several hours in a nostalgic fog listening to clips from some of my favorite musical artists of the 70s. Randy, you came of age in the 70s. What did the music of that period mean to you? When you look back at the 70s and and you look at my age, okay, the 70s began, I was 15 years old. The 70s end, I'm 25. By my definition of what's important, I think music is important to somebody between 15 and 25. That's, I think, when you're, you're paying the most attention to popular music. So that was, my, right. that was my sweet spot. That was my decade. Of the three of us, I am going to claim the expert title on 70s music because I know all of it. I know that I don't like it all. And Gary, one of the things that you alluded to is, you know, you had this um, notion that you didn't like 70s music. I think part of that is the 70s, a decade full of different kinds of music. It wasn't one kind of music. But the music I do like best in the world is rock from the 70s. I went to school in San Diego, and I grew up during that decade in Southern California, right? So my music was very L.A.-based. I think it still holds up. I still like the L.A. era from the early 70s, which includes Linda Ronstadt, Jackson Brown, The Eagles, Mm. Warren Zevon. A lot of great music came out of that era. And I think it still sounds good. I think you're the authority on 70s music. Richard, you're at the other end of the old codger spectrum, and you were in your 20s at the beginning Mm -hmm. of that era. Mm -hmm. What's your general assessment of 70s music? I'm a 70s fan, a giant 70s music fan. There are great performers. There are poets of music in the 70s. There are balladeers. There's soul. It's all there and in huge quantity and quality for me. My assessment is the 70s had great music. But again, 
it attaches to my experience of the 70s, right. which was... Our favorite music really does tie to who we are, yeah. where we were, the circumstances of our of our lives at that time. I'm the in-between guy in this trio here because I was just coming out of college in the early 70s. I was transitioning from going to school to going to work. Mm. It kind of changes your, your mindset. But what I did find out is I went back and researched it, and I still haven't quite put my finger on why I really never thought too much about 70s music, but I am actually a 70s music guy myself. <laughs> There's a lot of great stuff that I really like, but for some reason I had applied the wrong label to it. Our expert in the music of the 70s is going to tell us all about the great stuff from the late 70s, right? Yes, I am, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get down to the serious stuff. The music itself, that's what counts. Mm -hmm. If you had to pick a single 70s artist, who would it be? What are their best songs? Richard, Boy. why don't you start? Virtually impossible question to answer. Stevie Wonder played a big role for me. I attached to his music. Living in the City was a, an incredible driving song. Joni Mitchell, who doesn't like Joni Mitchell? She's a poet. The Eagles, if you lived in California, they were the California sound. I would say those three are my favorites. Great. Randy? Yeah, for me, my number one favorite American band of all time is the Eagles. Mm -hmm. They came to national attention in the early 70s. They kind of owned the rest of the decade as far as that lane in popular rock music. If you're an Eagles fan, it's really hard to find a time in the 70s when you weren't listening to the Eagles. That's right. And and that's certainly me. I mean, you know, I think Hotel California mm. is one of the great albums of all time. As a matter of fact, earlier this year, Patty and I went to see the Eagles in Phoenix. It was the Hotel California tour. Oh. So they start the, the concert by playing track for track just the way you played it on vinyl, the entire album. It was stunning. Then they come out... They say, well, that was 40 minutes because that's how long albums were back then. Uh, we're going to take a little break. Then we're going to come out and we're going to do the rest of our greatest hits. What a show. These guys, for me, they, they, they're still the perfect 70s band. For me, it came down to between Paul Simon and John Denver. Different from you guys, right? Mm -hmm. In my view, it was the urban versus the hippie style. I finally came down to John Denver. He's my favorite singer of the 70s. Simon, I really love. I think Paul Simon is one of the best lyricists Genius. around. Uh, yeah. But he really came into his own in the 80s. He had to be 10 years away from Garfunkel to kind of get that out of his <laughs> system. John Denver spoke to me. You know, I was a lingering kind of wannabe hippie, but I was working in a conventional job, wearing a suit and tie to work, living in San Francisco. I wanted to go back to nature, whole earth catalog type of stuff. <laughs> I did not know that about you no. then. Well, it was there was a little bit of tension in my life. I had a job that I enjoyed, but I also wanted to be like all the great hippies out there. I wanted to go back to nature. I wanted to run around out in the woods or something. Gary, like did you have a ponytail? The facial hair you see on me today is the first facial hair I've ever had. <laughs> you looked real conventional. You were working a conventional job in California, right? It was San Francisco. Okay. Living in the city. It was a great time, but I was working a conventional job, but I still thinking, oh, gee, I kind of missed out on that hippie thing. I was working so much. 
You, you listen to John Denver and you get that. You get Rocky Mountain High. Yeah. You get Take Me <laughs> yeah, Home, yeah. Country Road, right? Yeah, yeah. So John Denver was my favorite out of the 70s. Richard, do you have one band or one artist that kind of sticks out as like your flagship? You were so right that the Eagles were the 70s. They were all across everything. They were on the radio 24-7 for 10 years. Hotel California, there aren't going to be very many better albums than that ever. What about you, Randy? What are some of the other groups? I can firmly plant myself in the classic rock lane Mm. when it comes to this music. And I'm going to use this point to kind of introduce the idea that the 70s music was so varied. Actually, the fact that Richard and I can not only agree on the same type of music, but the same band is kind of interesting. I didn't expect that. But Gary, you saying John Denver, a lot of the early 70s radio music was a much lighter version of the rock that was introduced in the in the late 60s. Radio went a little soft. So you had Elton John, you had Gordon Lightfoot, you had Carol King, you mm. had Paul Simon, you had John Denver, James Taylor. You had a lot of great music, but it wasn't hard rock. On the other hand, I was listening to the LA rock. I thought Bruce Springsteen, who broke in 1975, was one of the greatest things ever. Pink Floyd, mm. Dark Side of the Moon. I mean, oh, I, yeah. all that that hippie stoner stuff. I like that music. David Bowie, oh. Alice Cooper, Van Halen. So I'm kind of from the rock part. And the band that kind of crossed those two areas for me was Fleetwood Mac. Oh, fantastic Because it was soft band. enough and it was a band that had men and women in it. They rocked out, but a lot of it was more personal, softer stuff. So that sound also epitomizes the 70s for me. What about Bob Seger? Top of my list. I loved Bob Seger. Oh, fantastic driving music. Nobody mentioned Harry Chapin. Well, another one of those singer-songwriter guys that was really good. A really good balladeer. But his music was different. I mean, that's what strikes me about the 70s. It feels like there's almost every variety you could have. As Richard was saying, soul music was still big. Aretha Franklin had some great hits. I mean, Spanish Harlem. In in getting ready for this episode, I just kind of looked through a couple of books and I wrote down a bunch of artists and I started to categorize them. So I have a whole soul category. Earth, Wind & Fire, The Commodores with Lionel Richie, Cool and the Gang, the Jackson Five, remember them? Yes. <laughs> Holy cow. Uh, the OJs, the Spinners, Parliament, Tower of Power. Stevie Wonder started in the 60s, but kind of came into his own as a songwriter, a real musical force in the 70s. There was a lot of soul music. And that's not even counting disco, which I know Gary wants to talk about so badly. <laughs> I'm certain there's something good about the, uh, well, what's good about it was dancing. God, I mean, you if you were if Richard, you were, you were a dancer? Scene, well, in the 70s, <laughs> I was. There was a three-month period, mm. the very end of 77 to, you know, the whole first quarter of 78, where disco was everything on the radio. It was just, it just kind of took over music. <laughs> and most people don't remember that. We think of the 70s as being soft rock or classic rock or singer-songwriter stuff. In the late 70s, disco kind of took over for a while. All right, guys. There are a lot of artists we haven't even mentioned yet. 
Bob Dylan we haven't mentioned. He was there in the 70s. I think he did six albums or eight albums in the 1970s. He was cranking out good music. The Blood on the Tracks album was number one in the country. A group that we have not mentioned, Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young. I don't know what to classify them. Country rock, very melodic music. Well, Teach Your Children was their last popular song in the 70s. It turns out they didn't do much after the early 70s in terms of new music that got a lot of play. You know why? The band Crosby, Stills, and Nash added Neil Young for an album or two. He left, and then the original three guys didn't stick together as a band through much of the 70s. Mm. So they really were only active in the first part of that decade. One of the carryovers that I recall from the 60s was Creedence Clearwater Revival oh, and yeah. Run Through the Jungle. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah and yeah, that was yeah. a song that you know really stuck with you because of that driving beat. But right. they were really a 60s band, but they had their last play in the early 70s. I want to I mention one other thing. This category of music didn't even exist in the 70s. Nobody had labeled it. But sometime during the 80s, 90s, or 2000s, I don't even know when this started, a term called Yacht Rock... came into being. We talked earlier about there there being some hard rock and soft rock in the 70s, right? Kind of a a musical divide of radio music. Classic rock is all over radio stations. Thank God, too, because uh, younger generations are listening to 70s music that falls in that classic rock lane. Nobody knew what to do with that softer stuff. The Toto, the late Doobie Brothers, Steely Mm. Dan, Chicago. They didn't know what to do with that music. Somebody came up with the term classic rock, and now on Sirius XM, there's a classic rock station, and you can listen to that softer 70s music. I think that's, number one, hysterical that somebody called it yacht rock. It does preserve that lane of music from the 70s that was very popular and otherwise had no place to be played on on today's satellite radio. Somebody invented this category so that there'd be a place for this kind of music. My wife, Patty, would rather listen to yacht rock than listen to my classic rock. Depending on your musical taste, now there's there's a place for that. (laughs) And you can go listen to that softer 70s music. Well, that's interesting. I never, I never heard of yacht, yacht rock. rock. Is that like elevator music for for baby boomers? You know what, Richard? <laughs> that's exactly what it is. It's yeah. elevator music for people for who really hate elevator music. <laughs> <laughs> I know why I don't recognize most of that music. It just dawned on me during that era. A lot of our music we listened to while we were in the car, right? right. While sure. we were driving. And if you had a long commute, an hour each way, you got to listen to a lot of music. In the second half of the 70s, I was either riding public transit because I was in San Francisco, or I was really close to work, and it took me five minutes to drive to work. You barely get a song in. There it is. So I spent five years essentially not having a reason to listen to music. Yeah. 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 That's another thing, too, is during the 70s, I think listening to music in the car was the number one place and the number one way to listen to popular music. So, Gary, if you're not in the car driving around, you're probably not listening to the music. I wasn't, and that maybe explains why I don't recognize a lot of these groups and a lot of these songs that you were talking about. 
Or I was just a grumpy old man and I was only 27, so <laughs> who knows? A grumpy 27-year-old. Oh, yeah. I started I started on this early, right? I was ready to be a codger when I was 30. <laughs> <laughs> I know this is an episode about music, but in my humble opinion, the 70s had historic lows when it came to music, fashion, and cars. <laughs> What was the most embarrassing piece of clothing you wore in the 70s? Richard? <laughs> Again, my intellectual pretensions. I wore a beret. Oh, my God. A navy blue beret. <laughs> Randy? Beat that. <laughs> I'll see your beret and I'll raise you a leisure suit, a polyester leisure <laughs> suit. Remember that? I remember yeah. that. You actually you know, yeah. owned a leisure suit? I never did. Boy, you know, you, wouldn't be caught dead. You, you you didn't hear that from me. <laughs> and if, if anybody if anybody says that I used to own a leisure suit, I'm going to deny it. But here's the truth. I had a, a leisure suit. I think it was baby blue. And you know, <laughs> the polyester pants were exactly the same material as the little jacket that covered my very long uh, lapeled shirt, right? And I had a white belt and white shoes. Oh, my. I, oh, that just, was my disco era. Oh, there has to be a picture, Randy, somewhere. God, I hope not. I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to confess that I'm not I'm not in the leisure poly suit category no. by a long shot. But remember when guys were wearing plaid pants? Yeah. Oh, I had I had one or two. Oh pairs. my god, you look at pictures of those now and you say, You'd wear those? <laughs> you look like yeah, Rodney I, I, Dangerfield. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to to throw all those pictures away. There might still be one or two. <laughs> But if I find it, I'm going to throw it away. Okay, let's go on to the other worst of the 70s. What's your vote for the worst car of the 70s? 70s were, were a horrible era for cars. Randy, you got... I, I vote a tie between the Chevrolet Vega and the Ford Pinto. Oh, yeah. That's ah. when America was trying to compete with the Volkswagen Beetle and introduce a, a small car. And the two biggest car companies in the world just failed. Literally flaming disasters with yeah. the Pinto. Just horrible cars. My vote is the AMC Gremlin, <laughs> which was truly one of the ugliest cars. And the way it was designed was fascinating because they essentially took a mid-sized car, literally sawed off the back end and called it the Gremlin. And the geeks of the universe, and I bet some of our listeners might qualify actually started to love those cars in the 80s and the 90s, and even into the aughts. They, they're classic now, collector's items, but it was really an awful car. <laughs> I could just see Randy in his powder blue leisure shoot getting into his <laughs> pinto into his pinto. and driving off to the <laughs> disco. Oh, Randy, I'm loving it. <laughs> All right. This is great fun, guys. It's time to get the disco ball spinning and turn on some music. We hope you enjoyed our stroll down memory lane. Let us know if we forgot your favorite musical artists of the 70s. And we know you disco fans out there are going to give us an earful, and we probably deserve it. Yes, we do. Thanks for listening. Join us next week when we speak with Carla Personato, a geriatrician, 
palliative care physician and associate professor with the University of California, San Francisco Health System. Dr. Personato has done extensive research on the health effects of loneliness on older adults. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe to Camp Codger on your favorite podcast app or sign up on our website. As always, we would love to hear from you. Drop us an email at campcodger at gmail.com, post a comment at www.campcodger.com, or leave a voicemail at 505-216-6171.